Can I read? What do you want for Christmas this year, Kairos? I tell you what, it's good to be here with you tonight. My name is Danny Householder. I'm a pastor here at Hope Ames, and I'm glad that we get to worship together. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. Is, it, are you, is anybody here ready for Christmas? Come on. We, uh, we just started a season in the Christian church. It's called Advent, and uh, Advent is the countdown to Christmas. Advent literally means the arrival. We are awaiting the arrival of Jesus, not just the arrival of Jesus as a little bitty baby in the manger, but also we look forward to Jesus coming back and making everything whole and awesome again. Speaking of wholeness, we're talking about that tonight. We're starting a new series that is called All I Want for Christmas. One of my favorite questions that I get asked all year round, even 10 years into adulthood, is this. What do you want for Christmas? I look forward to getting that question asked me every single year. When I was younger, that was an easy question to answer. What do you want for Christmas? Big wheels, uh, PlayStation, more video games, you name it, I want it. And you come up with these ideas for things that you want because you think in your mind, if I get that thing, whether that's a material thing um, or, or, or a nostalgic thing, whatever that might be, you think in your mind like, okay, well then I'll feel like this sense of wholeness. I'll feel this sense of completion. I'll feel like I have it all. I will at the very least be distracted from what I don't have. We ask for things because we think it's gonna make us feel full, whole, complete, whatever that might be. But do you ever notice something? The older that you get, the harder it is to think of what you want for Christmas. My wife's been asking me, Danny, what do you want for Christmas? And I keep on putting it off. I keep on saying, I don't know. I'll let you know later. I can't think of it. I can't think of whatever that thing is that will make me feel complete this year, that will make me feel full. Now, some of you know exactly what you want. If I ask my wife, what do you want for Christmas? She says, stools. Here's the ID number. You can find them online. There's two different sizes. Make sure you get the right one. Stools. Some of us know what it is that we're missing, Others of us are having a hard time figuring out what that is. We're having a hard time figuring out what we're missing. How is that even possible these days? What do we possibly have that's missing? We live in a time where we have more convenience, more access, more resources, more comfort than any other time in any other place in all of history. If you were to stand before your life and God hadn't made you yet, but he's about to say, all right, I'm, I'm about to send you into your mother's womb. You ready? You're like, no, but you're ready. Okay, here we go. That wasn't in the script tonight, but anyway. God's like, hey, when do you want to, when, when do you want to live? You can see all of history out in front of you. And God says, in what time period would you like to live? You choose today. And don't tell me I would choose the romantic period of the early 1800s. No, you wouldn't. Do you like running water? Do you like ventilation? Do you like heat in the winter? I mean, do you like not running from your li- for your lives from the buffalo? Have you seen Oregon Trail? You played the game? You choose today. We have so much today. It seems like we're not missing anything, and yet we feel like we're missing things, don't we? The University of Chicago came out with a study in the last year, and they found that people in this country are more unhappy than ever before. We're unhappier than ever. Only 14% of people who live in this country say that they're very happy. 
That's the lowest that it's ever been every single year that they've done this survey over the last 50 years. The lowest that number had been before was 29%. It's quite the drop-off. Not that 29% is particularly high, but that is quite the drop-off. What is it that we're missing? Why don't we feel whole? Why are we feeling this sense of missing something? There was another interesting study that came out. I read this on Psychology Today, and it said that less than 15% of young adults feel like they are whole people. They feel like their lives are incomplete. They asked those same people, what are some of the things that would make you feel like you are complete? And the answers were kind of maybe what you think that they might be, a career, a spouse, a family. But do you know what's interesting? Less than 15% of young adults say that they feel completion in their life. In the generations that are older than young adults, it's the same percentage. The people who are older than you who have a career, who have a family, who maybe have a spouse, who maybe are seeing some of those dreams come true that you're asking for, and the same percentage of them feel like their lives are incomplete. What is it? What is it that we really want that's going to make us feel whole? A very, very long time ago, there was a prophet named Isaiah. Turn to the person next to you and say, Isaiah. Come on, say it in your best prophet, prophet voice. Isaiah! Isaiah! Yes, Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied this to the people of Israel, God's people, a very long time ago. This was 700 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. Now, these people were living in ruins. They were missing things. Their country was a mess. They had lost everything. They felt like they were very far away from God. But the prophet Isaiah says to them on behalf of God, in that day, someday in the future, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. You will have a complete fortress, is what the prophet is saying. It's the word of God that God wants to communicate to his people through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surround you with my wall. I'm going to surround you with my protection. It's so interesting. We can have lots of great things in our life, but if there's one thing missing from that thing, it feels so incomplete, and it feels like we have a serious problem. I made a mistake recently, and I started watching The Walking Dead on Netflix. First off, nightmares. Second off, cliffhangers. Third off, no sleep for me anymore, because I can't sleep because I can't stop watching, and I can't sleep because I'm scared of the zombies that are going to get me at night. If you haven't seen The Walking Dead, make your own choice. Nonetheless, in The Walking Dead, they have to protect themselves from zombies. Things you didn't think you were going to talk about at Kairos tonight, but here we are. And they have to find protection. And so they hide behind walls, they hide behind gates, they hide in prisons, they hide in all sorts of places. But this constant problem they keep on running into is if they have a break in their wall, they're no longer safe. In other words, if their wall is incomplete, it will show. It's not, they're not going to find what they want. They're not going to feel the safety that they need. They're not going to feel completion by something going away. They're only going to feel completion by something coming in. And so I believe that the prophet Isaiah is telling the people of Isaiah, you've been living your lives like this. You've got really, really good stuff, right? You've got all your bricks and it looks nice, but the issue for you is there's a hole in the middle of it. It's not secure. It's not complete. And so while you have lots of stuff in your life, there's a hole. 
And whether that is a large hole or a small hole, it's the fact that it's a persistent hole. And things keep on finding their way through. But God promises, I've got an antidote for you. I've got something to solve your problem. I've got something to give you. Because again, it's not going to be the absence of something. You already believe that it's going to be the addition of something that's going to make you feel complete. That's why we come up with our Christmas lists, isn't it? But the sad thing about our Christmas lists is they never seem to fulfill us. Just before I was here at Kairos tonight, I was over at um, our Power Life Ministry, which is confirmation for our junior high students. And uh, my friend Zach was speaking with them tonight, and he asked them this question. He said, if Christmas lists were ever good enough, why do we keep making them? And maybe it's not a Christmas list, but what is it in your life that you keep on setting before you and think, once I have that, I will feel complete? We know it has to be an addition of something that's going to make us feel complete. It's not the absence of something else. But what is it? God has a word for us on that. The prophet Isaiah continues in Isaiah chapter 26 to say this, you will keep in perfect peace in that day. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So the prophet Isaiah is saying about God. He's saying to God at this point about the people. God, you will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you and all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. So that day when they're singing great songs, that day when they feel complete, that day when they feel whole, you're going to be keeping them in perfect peace. Now there's something very special about that word peace. The word for it in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's shalom. Maybe you've heard of this word before because it's a common word that people will still say today, but turn to the person next to you and say shalom. Shalom. Shalom is a common word that people uh, who speak Hebrew will even say today. They'll say it in their greetings. They'll say it in their, in, their, in their farewells. Shalom. And the word for shalom is literally peace, but it also literally, quite definitely means completeness, wholeness. When we think of peace, oftentimes we think of the absence of something. We think, I will have peace if my anxiety goes away. I will have peace if my depression goes away. I will have peace if I'm not sick anymore. I will have peace if my problems go away. I will have peace if my troubles and trials disappear. I will have peace if I'm void of this hopelessness that I've had. I will have peace if these things go away. We think of peace and we think it's an absence of something, but God says peace is actually the addition of something. It's the completion it's the restoration. In the Bible, there are examples of this. In the book of Joshua, God gives a command to his people. He says, make an altar from shalom stones. And what it quite literally means is find a stone that has no breaks, that has no issues whatsoever. It is whole and it is complete. Make my altar from shalom stones, from whole and complete stones. What he's saying is make my altar from peace stones. Now that's not some sort of like magical hippie type thing that he's saying like, make my altar from peace stones, brother. I don't know, what do you... Sorry, I got carried away. He's saying, make them from something that's complete. Something that's whole. Okay, let's go back to what the prophet Isaiah is saying. The prophet Isaiah is saying this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. How do we get this perfect peace? How do we experience that wholeness? How do we experience that fullness? How do we get what we really want for Christmas? The thing that's going to make us feel like we have what we always wanted. We keep our eyes fixed on God. We don't keep our eyes fixed on the things that this world can give us. Everybody knows if this world gives you something, the world can take it away too, can it? 
But God says, keep your eyes fixed on me. This is where your perfect peace comes from. This is where your shalom comes from. This is where your fullness, your completion, your restoration comes from. Oftentimes throughout the Old Testament, if you're seeing it in the Hebrew, you'll see this word shalom pop up when they're talking about walls, when they're talking about fortresses, but also when they're talking about the peace that's inside of you. When they're talking about your mental state, when they're talking about where your heart's at, how your soul is feeling. There are times when they show up and they're talking about a tent, right? There are times when they come up and Solomon, King Solomon, when it says that Solomon had completed the temple that God had prepared for him to build, it said that he had shalomed it. He had brought the temple to shalom. It was completed. It's this big, complex, moving thing. All sorts of pieces. And yet it comes together and it makes something complete that is whole, that is protected, that doesn't have holes in it anymore. It's full, it's complete, it's whole. And so it is with you. You are a complex individual with lots of moving pieces And God says, I want to give you shalom. I want to give you peace. I want to give you fullness. I want to fill the holes in your wall. Not to keep others out, but to protect you from danger. To protect you from the pain that surrounds you. To protect you from the troubles that you can't seem to avoid. Because that's the truth, isn't it? The troubles, we can't avoid them. God never promised us that we're not gonna have troubles, that we're not gonna have trials, that we're not gonna have pain. In fact, it's persistent. It just continually shows up. My wife and I, were having water problems at our house right now. We're getting it figured out, but we're having water problems. And because of that, we cannot, um, we can't drink our water from our tap, which is not good. The city of Ames has great water, but right now it doesn't. So like for the last month, we keep on getting these, right? Or things that look like this. So uh, this one in particular, I started to get recently and I realized quickly, I will never get something like this again because there's this persistent hole in it, right? And the troubles keep on coming with it. I think, okay, if I control the situation, if I just put this into my own hands, I can fix it for my wife and I. We'll have clean water to drink. So it's okay, great. I got this at home. I got my nifty water bottle. And I think that all of my problems are solved because we have clean water. We're good to go. Got to make sure that that's ready. And so I just, you know, like I would, I start filling it. Okay, nice and easy. That's good. The problem is, is like this thing is, you can see with the microphone, you're, I'm having a hard time. How am I going to turn this off? It keeps on showing up. The water's not stopping. It's getting fuller. And then as I'm sitting there one day in the fridge, I'm like, oh no, this is a problem. And it starts overflowing. And so I'm like, okay, I know. I'll just twist this thing and I'll turn it upside down. But it keeps overflowing. It doesn't stop. And I'm screaming, what are you doing, water? I'm having a conversation with the water and it won't stop. And it keeps on leaking. And when it's really full, it's got a lot of pressure. (laughs) Splash me in my face. My wife comes down. What's wrong? I'm like, everything's falling apart. My life isn't complete. What would bring me peace if this water problem would go away? Listen, if it's not a water problem, it's a something problem, isn't it? I want to tell you this. When it comes to the peace that God wants to give you, peace is not the absence of something. Peace isn't found in the absence of troubles. Peace is found in the presence of God. God tells his people, keep your eyes fixed on me. Peace does not come when the problems go away. Peace comes when we keep our eyes on God. It's not the absence of troubles, it's the presence 
of God. Let's dive into our text for tonight. It was in Isaiah chapter nine. It talks again about peace. It talks about a day when that peace is going to show up and it doesn't show up because everything else is gone. It shows up and it's bigger and it's better and it's stronger. Peace is not the absence of bad things. Peace is the presence of a good thing that's stronger than the trouble. The prophet says, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Completion, Prince of Wholeness. You heard this as well tonight. The text continues. The government and its, his government and its peace will never end. You will always be full. You will always have completion. What is the purpose of Christmas? What's the purpose of Jesus coming into this world? It's not to take your problems away. It's to complete you. It's to protect you from those things. I mean, in the ways that we're really scared that they could hurt us. It doesn't stop them from coming our ways, from coming our way. But it does protect our heart. And it makes us complete. It makes us whole. That's where we want to get as Christians. There are temptations around us that we believe will bring peace, but, there are, but sometimes those things are peace takers, right? We wanna be peacemakers as Christians. Sometimes we become peace takers. We become peace takers when we try to control it. Again, me trying to control this. Control is not peace. Control is lashing out. It hurts people around us. Control does not lead to peace. I was thinking about it like this. Uh, anybody get together with family for Thanksgiving? Hopefully a lot of us were able to get together with, for, for, with family for Thanksgiving. This is my family together for Thanksgiving. Um, a few years ago, this was in 2015-ish. Uh, that was five inches shorter of hair once upon a time. Um, and uh, this picture is something, we do it every single year. Before dinner, we gather, we stand there, and we're all really hungry. We feel incomplete. We're lacking fullness. We need to be made whole again. And so as you are standing really close with your family, you can feel their breath on your shoulders. And sometimes your family are the people that you love the most. And sometimes your family are the people who annoy you the most, especially when you're standing so close and when you're hangry, right? And so we start to say, okay, let's just control the situation, people. Just control the situation. Let's get this picture taken. Take the picture, look at the camera. Oh, Danny blinked again. Got to do it. Okay, control the situation. Whoever's taking the picture, they, they hit the timer on the button. They come back around, they run, they look, and everybody stands there. We're trying to control it. We're trying to control it. And eventually my sister and I, we're just elbowing each other, nudging each other. She's jamming me in the stomach with her elbow. I'm like, ah, I can't believe it. I'm like trying to tickle her in the side. And I'm like, ah, it's chaos. We believe that peace is gonna happen when we control the situation, but the truth is it just leads us to lash out at others. Peace does not come from controlling. Controlling leads us to lashing out. On the far right of that picture is my uncle, my uncle Joe. I've talked about him before. A lot of you know um, that he died of ALS about a year and a half ago. Um, he's on my mind and in my heart uh, a lot, especially in this last week. Just on Saturday, we were finally able to have his funeral service. Um, because of all the COVID stuff, we couldn't all get together to make that happen. So finally, we got to have that. Something that was really neat about these pictures that we would take every single year is that he would be the one who would eventually say, all right, everybody, just calm down. <laughs> Just calm down. 
whoever was taking the picture, hitting the timer, freaking out, running around, he'd say, don't worry, I got it. So he'd get behind the camera and he was famous for this. He'd just say some joke, some like really corny joke. I don't remember what they were, but he'd say something. He'd say like, like I don't know, like instead of saying like, say cheese on the count of three, instead he'd be like, say turkey on the count of three, you crazy turkeys. One, two, three, <laughs> turkey. He hits the timer, we run around, and there's the picture. I found it interesting that this past year, when we were there last Thursday, without him there, we didn't take the picture. And I wonder if it's because none of us felt like we could control the situation. None of us, or every one of us felt like we had to control the situation for that to happen. But instead, he just welcomed peace into that place. He didn't lash out at anybody. Instead, he just invited us to be with each other to experience joy around one another, to not be so concerned about getting full and running away from that picture as fast as we could to get to the counter and fill our plates and sit at the table and scarf down our food like, like garbage disposals and not talk to any of our family around. Happy Thanksgiving. No, instead, there's something better than that. Control does not lead to peace. It leads to lashing out. Oftentimes, we also think that worry is going to lead to peace, but worry only leads to freaking out. Anybody here freaked out these days? You just don't know why. You're just always scared. You're always looking uh, over your shoulder. You're always wondering what's going to show up next. You're always wondering what's going to have the leak. You're always checking everything. Worrying does not lead to peace. Worrying leads to freaking out. What other option do we have when we're worrying? I don't blame people for worrying. I worry a lot. I have a hard time with it. But worrying is one of the least productive things that we can do. What does worrying do? Jesus asks, does worrying add a single day to your life? The time when you're sitting there, I mean, I'm not talking about the time when you are productively doing something about the troubles around you. I mean, the time when we are sitting in our chair and just stuck in our worry, what are we doing? It's nothing productive. It's not building peace. It's just freaking out. In the book of Philippians, it tells us this about worry. Don't worry about anything. And that sounds like a very uh, insensitive thing to say. Don't worry about it. Do you know what I'm going through? But it doesn't just say, don't worry about anything, forget about it and do nothing. Instead, it gives you something else. The apostle Paul writes this in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And that's not just like, okay, just pray about it. I don't know when it became popular to say praying about something doesn't matter. Praying about something doesn't mean anything. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. Your thoughts and prayers aren't enough. We need action. When you're praying, you're talking to the creator of the universe, the one who made this whole thing. I think before we do anything at all, people who will say, don't pray, don't think, just do something. I don't want your thoughts and prayers. I want your action. Before we act, we have the, we have the opportunity to speak with the creator of the universe. Pray. It's not nothing. It's connecting with the God who's in charge of all of this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Thank him for all he's done. It's easy to thank God when things are going well, right? It is so hard to thank God when things are falling apart. When my wife and I were driving to Chicago last week, we were listening to worship music because we're Christians and that's what we do in the car. What do you do? Just kidding. Right before that, we were listening to Taylor Swift's, Red, Taylor's version. Yeah. 
And as we're listening to it, we're singing, we're praising, and you're like, oh, this is great. And then I realize someone's tailgating me. And I go immediately from saying, may his presence go before you and behind you. God bring curse on his journey. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did that happen? That's not perfect peace that the book of Isaiah talks about. That's partial peace. Anybody here suffer from partial peace? Circumstantial peace? Peace when things are going well? It's not even authentic worship, I don't think. Authentic worship is when it doesn't matter what's happening around me. My thankfulness for God hasn't changed. My uncle found out about his ALS diagnosis, and I wasn't in the room with him, but I've been told that he said a few different things, and they stood out. The first thing he said was, well, I'm not mad, but I'm disappointed. And I think that takes a lot to say when you just found out that you have a, an illness that has a 100% death rate. Nobody survives it. He asked, okay, well, what kind of resources can I um, take advantage of? And then he asked uh, something that I, that just hasn't, I haven't been able to shake ever since I heard. He said, what's it going to be like? I want to know. What's it going to be like? And the doctor told him in detail the agony that his body would suffer over the next year and a half. And it happened. And he still would sing. He still would praise. He was still thankful. Worrying doesn't lead to peace. It leads to freaking out. We don't have to deny, to deny the truth either. Peace takers, right? If we go on to the next screen. It's denial. It's not real. Maybe sometimes it's a process that we go through. You start by controlling, then you worry, and then you get into denial. I'd be sitting in that chair, I'd say, no, I don't think this is real. But what strength it takes to say, what's it gonna be like? I'd rather just know. I don't wanna check out. Something I always noticed about my uncle at those Thanksgiving dinners is we'd be scarfing down our food, you know, getting in words when we could with our loved ones around us. Something that always stood out to me is like, and we just noticed him for this, like 45 minutes into the meal, my uncle's plate was untouched. He didn't have to fill up on food. He was finding completeness and wholeness in the relationships that God had given him, the people that were surrounding him, the people that he loved most. That's where he was getting completeness from. It wasn't partial peace, it was perfect peace. In the book of Isaiah, when it says perfect peace, it actually is interesting. It doesn't just say shalom. It doesn't just say peace. It actually says shalom, shalom. Peace on peace. Peace that can't be taken away. Not peace that is given you from this world, but peace that cannot be taken away. Peace. Peace is not something that is weak. Sometimes when we hear about peace, we think that it's just people who uh, dismiss themselves, who remove themselves, who aren't willing to get involved in the fight, who aren't willing to have a discussion, who aren't willing to debate, who aren't willing to talk about the difficult things in life. Peace is not weak. Peace is the strongest of strengths. Peace is looking in the face of, e looking in the face of evil and saying, I want to know what it's going to be like. Tell me what it's going to be like. Tell me, I'm not afraid. 
because my completion does not come from something that this world has given me. My completion comes from somewhere else. If we could go forward a couple of slides, I gotta keep moving here. Philippians chapter four, when we hop, no, no, go back. Philippians chapter four, it says, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you want to have peace that you can't explain? Do you want to have peace that could look the face of the most scary things in your life and say, I'd like to know about it? Because it's not going to take away my completion. It's not going to take away my wholeness. I invite you to fix your eyes on God, to focus on God, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Then we can become peacemakers. Instead of being people who try to control everything, we can instead become people who surrender. Instead of becoming people who worry about everything, instead we can trust. Remember, Jesus told us, I'm not telling you that there's gonna be no problems or troubles or issues in your life. Instead, I'm promising you the opposite. It says this in the book of John chapter 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. There will be times when you should be troubled or afraid. There will be times when you're freaking out. There will be times when you wanna lash out. There will be times when you wanna check out. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a gift that can surpass pass the power of those things that make you hurt, that make you scream, that make you want to freak out and check out of life. I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you something stronger. And this is a good thing. This is an addition to your life, not the, not the absence of something else. This is the presence of something good that is better, that is stronger than the difficult things in your life. I want to give this to you. Peace of mind and heart. He wants to complete your mind. He wants to complete your heart. He wants to put wholeness in those places. He wants to fill the gaps in your walls so that the things might surround you, but they will not get inside of you. Jesus continues in the book of John chapter 14. He says, I've told you these things before so that when they happen, you will believe. Don't skim over that. I mean, really focus in on what Jesus just said. Jesus said, when bad things happen to you, that's going to make you believe in me even more. I don't know about you, but when bad things happen to me in my life, sometimes that makes me doubt my faith. Sometimes that makes me question if God's in control at all. And here Jesus is saying, because I told you they were going to happen, when you see the bad things in front of you, you are going to have the audacity to say, there's even more evidence that God hasn't taken his peace away from me. How incredible would that be if tomorrow something happens to you and it bothers you? It doesn't have to be a big thing, but somebody tailgates you. But the partial peace doesn't bother you anymore because you have perfect peace. And the person tailgates you and you think, Jesus told me something like this was going to happen. Of course! God, you must be here! Because he told me that the trouble would arrive. Here's what it looks like to be a peacemaker. We don't control, we surrender, we don't worry, we trust, we don't deny, we know. I really wrestled with that this week. Should I write no on the board? I mean, we're in like faith, right? Like faith. I mean, faith is kind of like insinuating that sometimes there will be doubt. Faith insinuates that sometimes there will be things that we're not absolutely certain of, like faith. I mean, faith doesn't have facts in front of us. Faith has trust. I mean, sometimes we just stop it at trust when we talk about our faith in God. But then I just felt this, I just felt this urge. No, put no on the screen. Put no on the screen. 
Yes, you surrender your life to God because you trust God, but it's because you know God. Because you know, you, you know. Maybe you're not in a place right now where you can say, I know that God's got me. Maybe you can't say that yet. But what you could say, as crazy as it is, I know that bad things are going to happen. And Jesus promised me that. So what I know about Jesus is he does tell the truth. And if he tells the truth about the bad things, wouldn't he tell the truth about the good things? I mean, ponder that. We doubt everything in our life, except our doubts, don't we? I mean, really wrestle with that. Faith literally means to be persuaded. It's persuasion. What is faith? God is using faith to persuade you of his love for you. And if Jesus is going to be honest about the bad things, don't you think he would be honest about the good things? You ever had somebody come up to you and say, all right, do you want to know the good news or the bad news first? And when they say the bad news, they're like, now maybe it's not really that bad. And you're like, no, it's, it's really that bad. Jesus says, no, sometimes it will really be that bad, but take heart. He says in John chapter 16, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I'm telling you this so that you can have peace in me. So you can experience that fullness in me. You don't have to control. You don't have to worry. You don't have to deny. You can look these things in the face and you can surrender to me. You can trust me and you can know that I tell you the truth. But I wanna be very, very practical as we finish this tonight. Because I don't believe that it's fair to say, okay, we'll have peace, just surrender, just trust and just know. Because those can be kind of like high words where we don't really think about the practicality of it. What does it mean to really surrender? What does it mean to really trust? What does it mean to really know? Again, when God sees us worrying and doing nothing, he says, I invite you to do something. Is anybody else here tired of seeing the world fall apart around us? Not just through the pandemic, but through all sorts of things. Not just through the worldwide stuff, but in our interpersonal relationships. Not just in our interpersonal relationships, but the things that are happening inside of us. I mean, my goodness. A week ago, there was this insane windstorm throughout the night and it's just blowing against our windows. I'm like, that kind of sounds neat. It kind of sounds interesting. But then I kind of got this picture as I was thinking about it. As the winds and the storms were blowing against our windows and I could hear them, I thought, what are the winds and the storms that are blowing against my heart? Because as I found shelter in my house that night, I'm like, okay, I'm safe, I'm fine, I'm okay. Am I experiencing that in my heart? Where the wind and the storms are blowing and pounding against the windows of my heart? Am I experiencing, am I experiencing security? Am I experiencing peace? Am I experiencing wholeness? Am I experiencing completeness? I want to invite you to do something. What does it actually mean? And I just want to read this for you tonight. And oftentimes when I find things in scripture, I'm like, okay, well, what's an analogy? What's a story that I could use or tell to explain that? But I think this one's just pretty good on its own. We read from Philippians chapter four earlier tonight, but I want to read it again. And I'm going to continue it a little farther. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord, full, complete, whole. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. 
Remember the season of Advent, we're awaiting the arrival. We're excited about this because something better is coming. It's not the absence of something, it's the presence of God. Don't worry about anything. Remember, you heard this. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. And now here comes the practical part. Are you ready? It's so simple, but it will change your life. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received, everything you heard and saw. Then the God of peace, the God of completeness, the God of wholeness will be with you. When you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling scared. I believe that Satan wants us to believe that there's nothing we can do. That's a lie. You are strong. You are empowered. You are complete and you are whole. God has given you something that you can do. God has given, given you something that you can fight with. Peace is not dismissing yourself. Peace is not weak. Peace is the strongest of strengths. Peace looks the scariest things in the face and says, tell me about it. I'm okay. Because I've already surrendered it to God. I trust God with it. And I know God tells the truth. When you believe there's nothing you can do about it, remember the God of completeness, the God of wholeness, the God of peace who says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Jesus also said in John chapter 14, the peace that I give you is not peace that you can find in this world. And if it can't be found in this world, it can't be taken in this world, can it? If it can't be found in this world, it can't be taken in this world. God's given you peace. God's made you whole. God's made you complete. Surrender to him. Trust him. Know he tells the truth. And keep your eyes fixed on him. He will give you peace. He'll give you what you really want for Christmas and what you really want in your life. Wholeness. Amen. Let's stand on up, sing about this God of peace.